Hey everybody, my name is Matt Pierce. I'm the learning and video ambassador for TechSmith. I'm glad you're here with us today. We've got a great show planned for you. Can't wait to get into that. But as we like to get things kicked off here, of course, one of the things that we'd like to talk about with everybody uh, is just that, you know, we've got this thing called the TechSmith Academy. And uh, the TechSmith Academy is our free online learning platform that you can go learn about script writing, storyboarding, lighting your videos. You can go learn about getting started, how to be better on camera. We just launched the last week, a new course, Basics is Screen Recording. They're gonna walk you through start to finish about screen recording. If you've never done screen recording, it's a great primer. It's not about Camtasia, I just wanna be clear. You can go learn Camtasia from our tutorials or the certification program or other great sources. This is really about those fundamentals of what you need to do to plan, prepare, and execute. There's some obviously some Camtasia references in it, but we'd love to have you check that out again at TechSmith Academy, and it is free. So with that said, I want to get to today's show because we've got some great stuff. Today we're going to be talking with Alexander Salas. He is a award-winning learning experience designer, and some of you might know him as the Chief of Awesomeness, which he is, I can guarantee, at the e at elearninglaunch.com. He's got a whole bunch of credentials that give him like these really nice acronyms after his name, CPDT, TIACTT plus. I mean, it goes on and on. He is very, he, he is knowledgeable about many things. He is especially knowledgeable about learning. One of the things I noticed about Alex is, you know, he's one of those, the, the folks out there from learning and development that are fighting against bad practices in, in the industry. He's out there encouraging people to get better, helping them to skill up. So he's not just, you know, someone that knows stuff. He's out there actively practicing and doing. And with that said, I want to welcome Alex to the Visual Lounge. Say hey, welcome. Wow. Wow. That's an intro, my friend. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, of course. You deserve it. You know, we I, I watched your work for a long time and I'm really excited that I think we met at a conference one time, but I'm really excited just to have a chance to sit and talk with you and, and, and learn. And uh, because today's topic uh, is really, I think, exciting. It's about taking time to learn, which I think as learning professionals, we're not good at. It's true. It's true. Where, uh, you know, I, I come from, my background is uh, medical in the Navy. And we usually used to say, you know, uh, nurses are the worst patients, you know, so the same people in medical are the worst patients because we think we know everything. And so we know how it works. <laughs> so the yeah. same thing, I think I see it in learning and development where it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah, we have we don't have enough time type of thing. So yeah, we definitely got to take some time for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned a little bit of your background. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself, um, just so we get to know you just a little bit. Sure, sure. So you know, I'm a Navy vet. I, uh, I was uh, what they call a hospital corpsman in the Navy, and I was attached to Marine Corps units. And that's actually how my whole career started because I I was helping people study for their exams, for their promotion exams. And that kind of got a little spark, you know, started getting a little bit of that dopamine with the aha moments, right? Where people are like, oh, thank you so much. I made it because of you, that type of thing, right? And so from there, you're like, hmm, I think I like this. I really like teaching, helping people out, stuff like that. And then I started finding out that there was actually a career, there was a profession that did this for businesses. And that's, you know, I went to get some degrees and stuff like that. And being the good military person that I am, you know, looking at regulation, going like, wait a minute. So what's the degree I need to get? What do I need to do? <laughs> and little did I know that, you know, half of what I, you know, more than half of what I've done in the, my career had nothing to do with a degree. But, <laughs> but here we are. 
Yeah, it's it, you know I think it's it's a, it's a very familiar story. I think a lot of people that do learning development find they like my own story, right? I I thought maybe I'd be a teacher, and I was like, I don't really want to, you know, maybe at community college level or whatever. Then I. I use the same words. I found out people get like paid to do this. Like, like there's a job you can do that helps you have that same, those same types of experiences. So, um, and as you've, as you've learned, I'm sure, you know, you're always learning stuff. Uh, do you feel like um, there are skills that, I mean, and we talk to a lot of people in L and D, but technical writers, are there kind of key skills you feel like that are missing in today's kind of, uh, workforce or not even, I don't want to say broad workforce, but for learning development people that they need to, to have to be relevant today? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the field has definitely kind of expanded. There's, there's many different things to do, but uh, the same problems are there. So, you know, uh, e-learning was revolutionizing things 21 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we're still revolutionizing today. So, uh, and, and video really, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. Once you look at the history, you'll find yourself like going like, how, what happened here? So like, you know, we used to use film back in the 50s and that was a primary method for a lot of big organizations. And then that went away and, and it went born to be face-to-face. So it's uh, a skills today, I would say, you know, um, a lot of people have to develop creativity and then ways to ways to actually express that creativity so that's the challenge there so those skills to develop to express that creativity with a good sense of quality right um because otherwise we end up with a lot of like you know clip art stuff like that and, yeah. so we go back to the bad powerpoint bullets and clip arts yeah, right yeah, yeah yeah you know clip art and you know the little uh, the Doughboys, you know, the, I call them the Doughboys, but I put a post on that and it went crazy. <laughs> it's like, don't do that. <laughs> like, you know, guys, they got no pants, they got no shirt. <laughs> they got no identity. <laughs> yeah. And they're all like, teamwork. <laughs> <laughs> got some pose going on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's interesting because I would guess that many people default to those types of things because it's easy. And I would say like learning to be more creative or learning to express ideas through visuals, it takes work. Um, so let's, I want to dive down this a little bit because I think it's an interesting – could be an interesting conversation. Is like so how does someone – like if they're trying to make it better, they're trying to avoid the, the doughboy – or the clip art, like how does someone start to gain creativity? So we can talk about time in a second, having the time to do it, but like, is there a process? Is that something that you feel like can actually be taught or learned? Yeah, I think so. I, I think the first thing you have to do is, um, I think that, well, they, that's the saying that says, you know, uh, the better for the best form of flattery is imitation. Right, like imitating something. So I think that will be the main thing is to imitate uh, something that you see out there that that is freaking awesome, right? So if you see, uh, you know, if I see you do some video and, and that video is is awesome, high quality stuff, I want to be like, okay, how did uh, Matt do that? I was, let me find out what's going on here, and uh, and then try to try to do that, and then as you start gaining those skills then you'll start seeing applications of that somewhere else in different designs. At least that's, that's been my approach. And, um, and I found out this morning that neuroscience backs it up. 
Oh, really? How's enlighten us? What did you learn? Because I I'm super curious oh, about that. Yeah. So one of the big habits I have is you know if I can't sleep or I get up early in the morning, I grab my phone, I go to YouTube, and I start turning on whatever big talks are there on health and hacks and stuff like that, and you just walk and listen to those things. So. Um, there's an interesting research on this guy. Uh, I think his name is Overman, but don't quote me on it. You'll find it on uh, either Health Theory or Impact Theory, one of those two shows. Tom Bilyeu had him as a guest. And so he, uh, he mentioned it's interesting that we, we do get this dopamine rush, right? But the dopamine rush of us learning is actually the pursuit of, of the goal, not so much the achievement of the goal. So you get a better, an incremental hit when you're, you know, when you're in the pursuit of it, when you're like, okay, I got to figure out what, let's go back to your example, my example, right? I got to figure out what Matt did there. I love, what was that? A layout? What did he do? Contagion or something? Either an animation? What was that? And so that pursuit, if you incrementally start hitting that, you, you start getting this hit to dopamine and you're reinforcing networks, neural networks in your brain they kind of take you down that road of like, you know, you know, I, back, going back to 1908 or something, 1918, you had Thorndike giving us the law of effect, right? Which basically just says that we repeat the things that we like to do, that we yeah. have a good experience with. So if you do those things, um, I think, you know, today a lot of people talk about neuroscience stuff, like that, but basically what I think neuroscience is doing is validating physiologically what a lot of people told us many years ago. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And so there's a couple thoughts there to unpack. I think one, uh, I love this idea, and, and we've said it. I've said it on the live stream before. I think with Tim Slade that like you know the the mantra: great artists, uh, good artists copy, great artists steal. Uh, you know, Picasso said that. Steve Jobs quoted him and took it as his own, which yeah. is appropriate, <laughs> right? Um, and and I've, I've I've always thought about that because even I know my my son, he's doing some college classes right now, and he had he's doing a class, it's a writing class, a personal narrative, and he had a draw. He's like, Dad, I can't draw, and I'm like, Yes, you can. Anyone can draw. Uh, and he, I'm like, you know, but this that process of like, he can learn to do steps. And the first thing I said to him is like, you know, get a, get a picture you want and then trace it. Don't, you don't have to use that picture, but trace it. Like you, you know, do this, this work. So I think there's something really to that, uh, you know, taking that other work and modifying it. And really, if you look over the internet, it used to be that, I don't remember what the, the style was, but right now everything is animated, not animated, but like these figures. They're not stick figures, but they're kind of yeah. narrow, flowing, and every tech company is using them now. Yeah. Why? Because they must work and they're stealing from each other. And then from a, the dopamine hit, like, yeah, of course, it makes sense. You're doing doing something you like, and if you like Boy, man, think about the benefits. If you like learning, you can you can continue to learn, uh, which yeah. really re leads me to the question, Alex, of I think most people would say, of course, it's important to learn new skills, gain new abilities, you know, in the field or, you know, in whatever, whatever you're doing. For you, how do you how do you make sure you're taking the appropriate time to do that versus just. Like I think I often like, oh, I'm going to do that. And I put it off a lot because it's not, it's hard to get going or just, I know it's going to take time. So how do you make sure that you're doing that for yourself? And then what advice would you give us to, to be better at that? Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't know with me, it's been, uh, 
I, I kind of learned to embrace the suck, as they say, right? So, <laughs> so love it. I think that's an important part of it because a lot of people will give up uh, immediately. So they'll do something, they realize, oh, I'm not good at it, or it's too hard, then they'll give up. And that's uh, that's also based on that conversation that I listened to a podcast. It's also a problem because you're reinforcing that negative behavior now. So you're reinforcing your quitting behavior uh, and you're kind of making it a, a normal thing, you know, telling the brain, hey, this is basically what happens. This is what we do. So, yeah, for my case, you know, I have so many examples in life. Um, and I'm not a spring chicken anymore, as you can tell. So in the Navy, for example, there was scheduled time, right, for training. There was at least four hours on a Thursday morning where everybody stopped doing what they were doing and got down to business. And there were also, you know, communications within the team. Myself, then, you know, from that practice, you find me Saturday morning just tinkering on something, always, you know. So most people are sleeping, I'm doing that. And I always find it, for my case, I find it to be like a, it's almost like a competition thing. Right. So but it's not, a, you know, it may be a competition against you. It may be a competition against anybody else. And I'm saying, OK, I'm doing this. Uh, whoever else is going to be doing something better. I bet you they're not. I bet you they're sleeping right now. And I'm doing it. <laughs> so that's kind of like the motivation thing. Uh, not to, you know, hurt, hurt anybody or anything, but just the mindset, kind of like what Michael Jordan used to do a lot, which was, you know, he'll, you'll say something and he'll get really mad about that. And you're like, all right, you see. I'm going to destroy you in the court, you know, in his head. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so it, it was getting getting that persistence. And that's, you know, the, when I listened to that this morning, it really clicked. Because I was like, yeah, I do that all the time. That's why, oh, okay, that makes sense now. Because that's the thing. It's like you, what I tell people all the time is, like, look, if you're going to be the person who's going to go to work and expect that everything you're going to learn, you're going to learn at work, you got problems. Because when things like this happen, when COVID, you don't really have a way to bounce. So you have to catch up. So I was happy, you know, for example, when COVID happened, I actually started a business when COVID started. <laughs> you know, I left corporate America to start a business and actually two businesses. So, you know, I, by that process itself, by doing those things, I learned a lot of things. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes, it makes so much sense, right? Like that hustle mentality. And, you know, you hear a lot of that in the tech space and, but it's like, uh, if you're going to, if you're going to get something done, you have to want it and you have to hustle for it. And I think, I mean, it seems like that's, that's the challenge. It's not the learning that's maybe hard. It is the motivation to want to learn. That's hard. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, I, I think it's also inaction is the biggest problem, right? So you have to act. You have to do something. And and it's incremental. It's not, um, it's, it's also incremental. It's not, don't think it is a, you know, I'm going to sit here for three hours and do this. Your brain needs to, interesting pieces they talk about is your brain needs to kind of, you know, you don't learn anything in the beginning, basically. So you, when you, even if the main thing is interesting is you, you learn, technically speaking, you're learning when you sleep, right? So you, re, re, you strengthen those synapses when you sleep. 
And uh, this guy was talking about that. It's like, you know, you think you learn when you go to training or you go to class or something. You're not learning anything there. All you're doing is recording, <laughs> you know. And then your 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 system goes when you sleep. It's going to go and kind of edit, <laughs> you know, and go through through everything there. I'm being a little bit on the nose because we're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. And I, I, Post-production and then... <laughs> Yeah, so it makes total sense, right? Like you're 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 taking things in. You need to process it. It needs to get in the proteins need to form in the brain to to make sure that you're going to have retention. Um, as as you've been going, I, I'm curious that you know you've done a lot of things. You've worked for a lot of big companies. You you know your your military experience. I'm sure all these things have been significant. Starting a company, I mean, like that's like three different kind of worlds to live in and I'm curious about what's been the hardest thing for you to learn uh, and it could be from L&D kind of stuff it could just be like is there something that you've set out to you like I wanted to learn X but man it was hard I can I can tell you several things I've tried to learn unsuccessfully um, but, <laughs> but I'm curious for you yeah um, you know I wanted to learn I think that I can think of was um, uh, full stack development so I wanted to be full stack developer. I have big bits and pieces of it. I can do JavaScript up front. I can do some SQL back end, but not the full gamut, you know, including all the things. And I tried to learn that. I tried learning that through a, a Udacity type of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And it was like a thousand bucks. We had a time, you had like a deadline or something. And yeah, I was doing it, but it still was a lot of, you know, just didn't translate sometimes and and it was it was complex to 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 a point so yeah that that gave me a little bit of challenges in that and um and i kind of and then life got very busy at, at that point since i was always doing some stuff the problem you know main thing also for me is that i i'm always engaging with the community right so I'm always engaging. When I engage, it's not just a post. It's not just a little post on LinkedIn. Sometimes I'm doing video. I'm doing YouTube videos on my channel. And now I'm managing what uh, I was. At one point, I was managing four different YouTube channels. So now it's still. <laughs> so, you know. You're not busy. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, but busy and stuff that uh, it's motivating me to do. So it's kind of like you get in that flow, you know, the sitting behind flow, right? Uh, because you're engaged, you're focused on, on what you do, and those are things you need to learn. If you're not engaged and you're not focused, you can't learn. So. No, and I, I, I love that as a as a, a takeaway for anyone that's watching, right? Like if they're if you're thinking about learning something new, whether it's a software development, a platform, how to do video, how to use a product, a, a how to apply a theory. I mean, it feels like you've got that motivation has to be there to some degree, or it just won't you won't learn and you it won't work. Yeah, yeah, and you and you also have to get out of yourself, like get out of your head with a lot of the thoughts. Because a lot of people will have thoughts of, you know, well, why am I learning this? What am I getting out of this when I learn it? You know, right. you know they expect some kind of quick verification when you learn something. And that's um, that's the thing. You, you can't think of those ways. You just got to think, okay, this is something that's relevant to you, that you really like, that you would like to do, that you see using, then, you know, act, go on it, start, you know, talking to people, whatever it is that works for you, because, you know, we don't all work at the same yeah. capacity or level. But, you know, there may be a thing of, 
I got people reaching out to me on LinkedIn all the time. I'm like, hey, you know, I know you do e-learning. Can we talk for a minute? Blah, blah, and everything. And I give them some time and, and we chat. So, yeah, I, I'm not that guy. I don't usually reach out to people. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to beat it. I'm going to find out. I go to YouTube. You know, YouTube is awesome. YouTube is probably the best thing that ever happened because you can go... I know what I tell people is, look, it's like, I think the critical skill you need to have is research, know how to research stuff, like look for stuff that really is good quality. Because in YouTube, you're going to go through like, you know, yeah. pieces of rich, and then you're going to find that gem, you know, <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, this is it. So. Yeah, it's amazing. Our world has been so much opened up. Like you know, learning how to do so many skills. It was, I, I I often with YouTube, it's easy to go to the home improvement because that's how I I use it so much. But it's like that's those were skills that were traditionally passed down. You know, uh, parents to children, and now it's like I don't know. I don't go ask my dad or my mom how to put in a new light switch. I go to YouTube and I find probably, like you said, 10 different videos until I find one that makes sense to me is fitting my situation. And that's almost that ability to get customized. There is, is so cool uh, that, yeah, too bad. There's not more videos about more things I'm interested in. <laughs> yeah. No. So, you know, sometimes we get uh, also, and it's because of the sources, right? So a lot of people always talk about, Oh, informal learning, formal learning is great. Formal learning is this. Well, the problem is, um, yeah, sort of, <laughs> you know, like you can go read a blog, right? You can go talk to someone, but you have to be, re- you have to be careful where you go because you're going to get wrong information. And then now you have a problem because you're learning the wrong information, right? And so you're, you're going off the wrong information. So somebody's going to tell you, Hey, uh, here's the learning styles. You know, why don't you decide for learning styles or this and that? Or, hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you do, uh, I don't know, the other ones, Dale's Cone or whatever, you know. So those kind of things, you got to be uh, careful on where you get them from. So I usually say, like, look, there's, today, there's no excuse. Like, we got, like, so much stuff you can find, you know. And I still find people that don't. Don't go there. They don't search for things. They're waiting. And I don't know, you know, I'm trying to think with you. Like, I don't know. Is that like a, is that something that we are creating in Melody because we want to be so learner center that we kind of create spoon fed people and then the spoon fed people don't look for things because they're expecting Melody to give them the stuff? I don't know. I mean, so I can, I know from my experience with TechSmith, one of the things that we, we've been looking at is that we know most of our customers will start with Google. If they're looking for a Camtasia question or Snagit question, they start with Google. They don't, even though we put out, I mean, we put out a lot of content. We have lots of tutorials. We have lots of uh, the academy, like the TechSmith Academy stuff, but most people start with Google that we we found. And I think that's, but, you know, and now it's a lot with, because I, you know, with working with marketers and understanding kind of how that Google search engine works, it's, you know, it's the game. Can Can you optimize your content over all the other content to, to appear first, regardless if it's really the best content. Now, I, I you know, look, everything I've worked on and the team I work with, they always try to put out the best content they can, like the most relevant, the most useful. But sometimes it's just the content that's ranking number one in that search engine or number two at the top 
is because they were really good at SEO. They hit all the right key terms based on how I'm searching, yeah. not that it is the ultimate like answer. Yeah, so, so I don't know if it's about spoon fed or if it's just people, you know, sometimes I think we, we don't want to, we don't want to take the time. Like I, I just want it to be easy. Cause I don't really care about this thing. I just want to yeah. do it. And so if this fits my mental model of how I think things work, why not just go with it? It makes sense. Somebody said it was yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, not- and then, then you have like three other people saying I agree. So now you're like, Oh yeah, must be the thing. Uh, yeah. Um, Raph Koster, uh, he wrote the book from uh, theory of fun, uh, for game design. Uh, cause you know, I'm like, heavy into game design. I like to get be heavy in I'm a wannabe game designer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, he uh, he mentioned that people, he mentioned that about users and when you design games, like he basically says people are lazy. <laughs> you know, like they want the easy button, they want the, the stuff like that. And that's the whole thing we're going back from the conversation. It's like you gotta learn in this company, right? You gotta get you gotta get uncomfortable to learn. Yeah, that's a hard concept to to get into people. It's like you have to get uncomfortable to learn. So uh, when when I do let's say a course or something like that, and I deliver a class, I usually say like, look, I'm gonna hit you this one night. This first night we're talking here, I'm gonna hit you. It's gonna be brain mush. Your brain is gonna be like, what? <laughs> like, I, yeah, I saw him do this, but what? You're gonna come back tomorrow. Right, and what you need to do is watch a little bit of the video again before we meet again, and then we're going to do something else. And I call that learning santeria. You know, so you'll get a little bit of that mix of. (laughs) (laughs) But um, once I think one person, as I've seen the comments here, says like so many resources is overwhelming. Who do I follow? I tell you who I follow. I follow Google Scholar. Yeah. uh, So I, I instead of doing Google. Because Google, you know, gets you anybody's and their mother, right? Like, you know, somebody, Joe Blow, writes a blog and says, oh, learning styles are amazing. Or, you know, he says something like, yeah, you should do video for everything, you know? <laughs> that's everything. Right. Then, then you're getting that and that's what you're getting. So you go to Google Scholar, yeah, you're going to get some papers. Yeah, you're going to get like academic papers. But you can kind of trace things from when they came from and what's happening. I mean, we're being sold a bunch of stuff in the, in the industry, you know? Like L&D is full of vendors creating stuff and then relabeling in a different way. And now you're like, what's going on, right? <laughs> like, where are this guy? And people follow that. So, you know, micro-learning came from micro-teaching, 1967 Stanford, right? And turned into micro-training. But nobody talks about that. Um, Addy was misrepresented as well. Nobody talks about that. And so that's some of the things I hit and kind of, and now people are chasing or let's say, I don't know, doing the inquisition on Bloomstack sound, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it makes sense, right? Like the, I know I just read uh, a recent paper by Richard Mayer about the five kind of five things to improve instructional video, right? And it's great because it, there's research to back it up. It's not just his opinion. Uh, I mean, I've got lots of opinions. But, you know, they're not worth really that much if if they don't, you know, they're not tested. And, and that's when I, th- you know, the hardest thing about Google Scholars, if you don't have access to the paper, I found a really great article 
I wanted one time. And I just reached out to the professor and he was traveling through Europe. He's like, I'll send it to you in a couple of days when I get to a, hot, a good hot spot. And he yeah, did. Yeah. I didn't have to pay yeah. for it. And there, I mean, I, I'm guessing there's a limit That's to that awesome. generosity, but it was awesome because, you know, it was a great paper and I haven't been able to do much with it yet from a, like, how do I talk about it or whatever, but it's so valuable to know like, okay, I've got this thing in my pocket that somebody studied something and I can, obviously we're talking a lot about if you're self-driven learning, but there's obviously in organizations, you got compliance training, you got these other types of training where it's like, we need you to understand and learn this. And sometimes people are not. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, that's a big, that's a big, that's a tall order to discuss. It's a lot of context we need to know in order to really give like the awesome answer to that. But primarily everything that we do in organizations, and that's my gig, you know, working, helping organizations do something better and with the learning or whatever else, instructional science, period, instructional science. I think you need to have like a good combo of three elements. I think that uh, primarily, you know, it's funny that we talk about this, but I mean, Gagné just basically, I think accidentally, not even on purpose, gave us sort of like the the way to kind of address things because when he came up with conditions of learning and eventually the nine nine events of instruction, it kind of comes down to that point. It's like, I got to grab your attention to begin with, right? So I, gotta, I have to have your attention. And then I have to, I have to make you understand the importance of what it is you're going to face. So if you have as foundation some key concepts of theory which are you know you're dealing with adults you're dealing with people that already have experience in their lives and you're dealing with people that have a specific social role in life right they're not just going to take your course because you told them to take your course they're going to take your course because there's some kind of value to it and what the value is needs to be communicated. The problem is we never, I hardly ever see anything communicating the value of whatever it is that is being done. Usually the, you know, the schematic structure of, uh, if it's in a learning course, is, you know, title, learning objectives, which are poorly crafted, designed, and thought of, just uh, some kind of, you know, out of nowhere notion of, oh, here's Bloomstep's anatomy, you know, describe, blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 right? right? And there's 10 bullet points that don't really mean anything, don't really say anything. Uh, it was great for the ID, and maybe if the ID was doing something that they knew what they were doing, they were using dick and carries and they were aligning it to teach to the test. But here's a problem if you're doing something in an organization where people need to do work, a test doesn't do anything. Right. Test doesn't solve business problems. A test solves academic problems, right? Yep. Hey, they're taking this course in the college. I want to know if you know what you need to know so you graduate. Here's your exam. Boom. You took the exam. Awesome. Not only address the cognitive pieces, right? You are able to remember something. doesn't mean that you're going to use it, utilize it, care about it, or even consider it to be part of life. So you have to be relevant to what you're doing. You have to be good in the aesthetics, right? Mm-hmm. Your design has to be good. Your design has to be visually appealing because you can have something that's relevant, but if it looks like crap and you have a clip art on it and, you know, and a little clippy coming over, hey, it looks like you want to learn, you know, so if people are going to discount it right away. That's why Netflix doesn't look like Craigslist, right? Right, um, right. <laughs> right. So 
I mean, so those are three elements, right? Aesthetics, relevance to what you're doing. Obviously, you have to have front-end pur- purpose of it, but communication is the biggest piece of it. As a designer, that's what designers do, right? Regardless of the case, graphic, visual, whatever, industrial, we're communicating, we're expressing something, we're, we're giving feedback to a user, you know? Right. So if you're not doing feedback through your designs, uh, and if you're treating it just an academic course, then that's the results you get, an academic performance. Yeah, and I, I wonder... <laughs> no, no, this, this is good. And I, I wonder, though, like some of these courses, because I've been in, in, you know, manufacturing environments where you had courses you had to take, they're compliance courses. Um, and it was, but I, I wonder if it's how much of it's about learning, actually learning something and much more about like, I've made you aware and you can reference it as needed later. And that's like, it's different to learn, like you're not learning that procedure or learning that thing. Like I just went through our corporate, you know, uh, uh, class on like uh, harassment and discrimination and, you know, how. Right. And, and I'm definitely learned, I've learned things in there, but like there's a policy and they may, you know, like, did you read the policy? I'm not trying to learn the policy. I just have to know how to find it when I need it. Like, and like, I, I, I just wonder if some of this, this is some of the learning that we try to force doesn't need to be yeah. learning. It needs to be like another way to present that. So yeah, it's a performance based situation. But even that is like, okay, you know, is it important that you need to know where to find the policy? I mean, what are you going to do with the policy? Are you ever reading the policy? Um, compliance training is one of those little things where you know I hear people saying, oh no, compliance training can be effective, and but look, compliance training is is a very cut dry thing all right it is what it is companies don't want to get lawsuits so you need to prove that people took the training yeah. doesn't mean that they want to know if oh wow people are really of course it would be awesome if everybody just watch one hour or two hours of boring stuff for uh, every year once a year and all of a sudden they change their behavior because that's what happened you know so right um you know, there's there's companies that do see this stuff too. Uh, they are allowed to be done, like IT, for example. They will send uh, phishing emails, right, like the decoys or whatever, and not communicate that to anybody, right? So now you're losing the element of trust on people, right? Because now, what do people do? Uh, they people ignore the behaviors. That's the thing, right? So what I have this team. This happened to me, and when I was working in one place, the team would actually just go around and say and just warn you about, hey, I just got this email. It looked weird. You, it, I, think it's a, I think it's a trap from IT. So that defeats the whole purpose of, <laughs> of doing the thing, right? Because now this guy told 10 other people, hey, there's an e- this email that came from this. Uh, don't do it. So I'm never going to really perform on the real situation because there's always people inter- interfering with what's happening. Yeah, for sure. Well, this is, uh, there's a, probably another question, Barbara. I'm, I will try to answer your question by the end of this. I want to take the time that we have with Alex. Uh, the question was, yeah. Matt, who do you follow? So I'll, we'll, I'll, I'll come back to that because I know, Alex, you have a hard stop uh, later. I want to make sure we're respecting the time because there's cool. really two, two big questions I, I have that I want to make sure we talk about. One is, uh, and we sort of talked about this a little bit, but I want to see if we can c- encapsulate this into uh, your tips 
for people to learn? Like, obviously you're doing a lot of teaching. Uh, and the, the second question we're going to talk about, I want to talk about e-learning launch. Cause I think it's such a cool project, what you're doing, the work that I've seen come out of it so far is awesome. But like, if you're to give people tips about taking time to learn, like top three tips, what would you tell people? What would you tell yourself? Like if you could go back in time and say like, Hey, here's, here's some things you need to learn or about learning, taking this time. What, what would you tell yourself? Yeah, I think, you know, I, the more I, I keep looking at things and the more I keep um, experimenting as well um, in, in the way that I can learn better, it's um, there's an interesting thing, a couple of things of research that have been done, right? So oxygenation to the brain affects your capacity. So it's basically like all of us are running around with a 3.5-pound computer, right? And then some of us are running on a Commodore 64, and some of us are running a PlayStation 5, which hasn't been released yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but what I would say is, like, that depends a lot on what you're doing with your life. So, you know, you're working out, you're oxygenating, you're, you're walking out and getting sunlight. Those things play an element. So I've tried to do those. And then aside from the, in, the learning pieces, you got to think of this. We have that computer, it's communicating with our body, and we are always learning. Right? That's the key thing. You're always learning. You're always recording what's happening here. I'm learning things just from watching you deal with the chat and different things. Uh, those are little things, little tidbits that I may remember later and go, oh, I'm going to use that. Or I like how he did that. Right? So if you, then there's the process of you intently learning some skill. And for that, I think there's some kind of formula you can think of, which is pretty similar to what happens when you want to lose weight or you want to work out and things like that, which is you need to have, you know, um, time. Um, what did they call that? Uh, what, what I had it, it was uh, exposure plus frequency times interest over time. So, <laughs> so, you know, you have to create exposure against the thing that you want to learn. You're not going to learn it just, but it's kind of like what I say, like you buy a book, you got to read it, you know, <laughs> you know? right. <laughs> Finding the book alone doesn't help you. <laughs> so, um, I got to tell myself that a lot of times there's a ton of books in here. I haven't read yet. So, but you got to, you have to expose yourself to the thing that you want to learn in action, not just in theory, not just talking about it, but actually in action. And then you have to be a little, uh, able to reflect on that. So the key thing, a lot of people say good things about, you know, spacing it out, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the whole purpose. Remember how we said that, you know, you don't learn when you do the thing, but you learn when you sleep. Well, you space things out. That's why when we do it in the academy, I just don't do, I don't like, you know, I've been fine-tuning it. Because we started with two hours of sessions, and I'm like, ah, it needs to be less than that. Now it's less, and it looks ideal for Camtasia, right? So 90 minutes, boom, and then... Let's come back the next day, and now another 90 minutes, and now we keep communicating, but we're not, you know, beating it down the front. We're doing something. We're actually building something. That's why you see the samples being built. So always, you have to be creating something as part of learning, and I think that's one of the great things that at least Bloom's, uh, Bloom kind of touched on with you when you look at the taxonomy, and it, as it was revised anyway, one of the highest levels in, in learning is creation. You know, so you have to do something. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that's the thing that as I'm listening to you go through these, you know, the points of like, your brain doesn't really work well if the rest of you is not working well. Um, and then this idea that the practice, right? Like you've got to apply, even if it's not a practical thing, like learning Camtasia, it's you've got to apply those things. Um, so I, I've probably mentioned this before, but my, my son went to Mexico at the end of September last year, uh, came home in April because of, uh, of COVID, but like he knew he went in knowing zero Spanish. Like he took a, you know, kind of typical, like a high school or two, which, he knew like five words, but now, I mean, he, he'll tell you he doesn't know as much as I think he, he, he really does, but he, he can con converse. He can talk to lots of people. He's got friends that he, he talks to regularly. So it's, I mean, it's super, super interesting, right? That, with, but I can see, that. I can see it slipping over time, right? As longer he's home without that kind of constant exposure, it's, he's not as confident, it's not as good, but that practice. And I say it on this, these shows all the time, like just every day, get a little bit better. And I love that you're applying that approach. So with that, tell, tell us about e-learning launch, because I, I think it's a cool concept. Tell us, you know, how'd you get started and, and really what is it? Well, so um, it began, you know, I started with a good friend of mine, Aaron King, uh, and that was an idea that I bust, uh, that I, I flipped over and I said, look, we, there, there's a problem right now that we have in, in the industry. One is we got people that don't have any experience and they're acting as coaches or acting as, you know, uh, want to help you become an instructional designer. And you can tell by looking at the profile, they haven't really done anything. So that's a problem because a lot of people now want to be in, in the field, instruction design and everything else. On the second piece, then academia is running their own little path. They're, they're on their own parallel path. They're not, they're not providing what employers are needing. So employers want, you know, unrealistic things, mm -hmm. but they're also things that are business-based, which is saying, why am I going to pay somebody to do video? And why am I going to pay somebody to do After Effects? And why am I going to pay somebody to do instruction design when I can have one salary and have a person that can do some of that, right? Now, um, yeah, we can get into all ethical discussions about, well, that's not fair, but that's just the way the world is right now. So you go to you go to a college, you get a master's degree. That's what a lot of people are doing, right? They're thinking, I'm going to get a master's degree and then I'm going to get a job. Right. And then they get out and yeah, they can talk theory all day. They can write a paper, but that's not what the employer needs, right? So the employer needs to say, hey, yeah, great. What is your portfolio? Hey, uh, what, what, what kind of work you done, right? And people are like, uh, portfolio? What are you talking about? Uh? And so, yeah, there are some programs that are making people do this, but they're also doing it with the wrong tools. That's the other part, right? So nothing contemporary. The stuff they're making looks very amateurish, very, you know, so mm -hmm. it puts them at a disadvantage to begin with. So um, the academy was that it has that purpose. The academy has that purpose of closing that gap, We're giving people an option whether, you know, you don't have to, you know, you can go to college and still reinforce. We got a lot of people that are students. They're actually master students and they're graduating soon, but they're hitting this and they're gaining skills. And the cool thing about it, uh, I think the, the made me the, the happiest about it is we're helping people get the skills real quick. It's not, you know, we're talking, I do a four week cohort and people are coming out. You saw some of the videos that came out of the Contasia stuff, right? So 
yeah, you know, we're not, they're not, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, Academy Award winner stuff, but but it's pretty, it's better than whatever you see some people putting out there that say they have been doing it for years. So, right. and I get impressed with a lot of the work that people do. So that's, that's basically what happens. You get, um, there are self-paced courses and cohorts, which are live, and you get one-on-one feedback with the instructors. So you get me uh, through the system where you actually don't take any quizzes. You develop assignments, you develop work. And ideally, if you're smart about it, you're developing work samples that will go in your portfolio. And so I'm looking at your designs and I'm telling you, uh, yeah, you may want to do that again. Uh, and if it's too bad, I may actually record myself on video and say, all right, let's talk about this. You see here, right. this, yeah, you don't want to do that. You want to do this, you want to do that. And then people go, oh man, that was great. And then, you know, when they come back, the in, the the change of the feed, you know, with the feedback, the the amazing progress is like a hundred thousand percent, you know. So that's been fantastic, and uh, that's the difference. The difference is it's not just a course dump. It's not a you know another self-paced library. It's a self-paced library with contact with me, right? With the with the designer, with the instructor. We have Betty Danowitz is going to be doing augmented reality here in a few weeks. So if you want to learn how to do augmented reality, you get to do assignments and build it with her. So yeah, and I, so I love I love this like it's a performance support. You get to learn the concepts, but then you get to apply it, and then you get that. I, I find that feedback. In fact, I've been using video for feedback a lot lately, going through some design stuff. But I just find it so easy to help someone see and hear, all, kind of bring it together. Like this is what you can do, and yeah. they pick it up. Like there's not. It's not like they typing me typing feedback and getting misconstrued or misunderstood. It's like. Oh, I'm pointing. My arrow is pointing right to this thing. So it's. I, it's, yeah. I, I love that approach that you guys are taking. And uh, you know, I'm, of course, I'm a fan that I get to see these awesome video people's videos that they're making. Uh, uh, and I love that it's simple. Like that's the thing I think uh, that impressed me with the videos. You weren't trying to teach them all the most deep, hardcore features. You're teaching them like, here's how you build a video in Camtasia. Right. And it was. I think. That's, I think that's really great because. So many people want to do the big thing. They want to do all the things. And really what they need is we need a, and I was talking to a group today about this, that we need a vocabulary and like a sentence, almost like a sentence structure for video, right? Like we need to understand how to build out these blocks versus trying to just get cool things. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically, you know, if we go, let's say we're doing stuff in Camtasia, which is great because, you know, I find Camtasia to be that, in between step to the some of the big complex very complex stuff and then some of the stuff is like super basic right so you get to experience all these different things it has like to me it's like a i always call it i don't know if you ever, ever heard me call it before but i said it's like the swiss army knife for e-learning you know so yeah. It's like yeah i can kick out a video i can do this do that. so i use it a lot i use it every day when i'm doing e-learning because i incorporate video and e-learning a lot and so um, they people actually, you know, can see what they're doing, and they can understand that that overlay or that you know user interface is pretty much familiar to any other product. You know, mm-hmm. Premiere Pro with some maybe changes, uh, Logic, Pro Logic, whatever. It's the same thing. You're gonna have a timeline. You got some effects. You got this. You got that. The stage. Boom. You, you you're going. So. 
people get to build something. Uh, we're not sitting there going, you know, well, the fuck, man, you has uh, 15 different choices. <laughs> you know? so, you know, it's like, you know, you want to make something, you're making. And the cool thing was, um, recently, Erica Simmer just did, she did, uh, I asked them to do, the first assignment to do is a one-minute uh, composition, right? So one-minute, put some stuff together and make the course, transitions, everything else. So she was smart because she did a video profile, right? And I said, well, you could do a video profile, you could do this. She did a video profile, meaning I chose something to showcase herself in her portfolio. And that worked to put her in her portfolio. And now she put it in, she got over, at this point, I think it's like over 200 views. Awesome. And getting job offers. Oh, cool. <laughs> 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 